sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. investors it is another beautiful day in the neighborhood wednesday december 2nd let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line right here on sports grid giving you the edge i'm dane martinez and as always i got my main man kevin walsh burning the candle at both ends trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day and we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time and kev we saw the release of the college football playoff standings and i mean let me ask you something I think we're at a stage here where the NFL kind of knows they are, you know, moving and shaking and kind of have an issue on their hands. But as we talk about it, they're just plowing through anyway. They know what the perception could be, but they don't give a damn. I think we are sort of arriving at a portion like that in college football also because we all know at this point. That it is uneven, right? Conferences have had staggered starts. Teams will play misaligned numbers of games. Policies in different conferences are crazy. Some teams will be without key starters because they have to be quarantined or isolated. It is next to impossible to norm what these teams and conferences have done and The cat's out of the bag already, Kev. Everyone kind of knows it, but now to kind of fit it into a norm parameter and what qualifies for the Big Ten championship game, how to compare X versus Y, even Kirk Herbstreet can't really figure it out. I think we all know that we're going to be left with an imperfect solution, right? We are. You know, it's. of course I'm going to turn this into why they need to expand to eight. But realistically... We are already dealing on an uneven playing field because these teams are rolling through their conferences and their conferences only. If the conferences don't stack up, it's going to create a bit of a mess. I mean, the college football playoff committee clearly believes that the SEC and whomever they believe the next conference would be is has as big of a gap as maybe ever having Three teams in the top six and four inside the top eight. And that type of unevenness lends itself to more questions, to more uncertainty. Because we're trying to evaluate Ohio State not only off four games, Dane. At the end of the day, right, if I play four games, but the four games are against an A&M, an Iowa State, a Georgia, and a Miami, what doesn't matter? In fact, you've maybe played one too many. Those three games were enough, right? Because when you bring up Notre Dame's strength of victories, they've got nine wins. It's Clemson and it's UNC. But it's evaluating Ohio State off of four games where the most impressive by a mile is a seven-point home victory as 24-point favorites. That's, I think, one of the reasons why this is all so difficult because we're not even – anywhere near a level playing field as to what these teams are providing us, and we're still operating in the same wildly small parameters. 
Yep, and we're trying to norm this all together, right? And put a value on certain things like that. And for me, I agree with you, Kev, you know, about the quality of competition as we welcome our radio audience from around the country, around the globe. Big shout out to all the affiliates. Thanks for waking up early with us here on the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh looking at the college football playoff standings. And and what you're describing, right? You can kind of measure. You can see, okay, fine, the, you know, the American Athletic Conference is not like the Big Ten, is not like the Pac-12. I get that, right? Or the Mountain West, whatever. I think the hardest part of it, though, Kev, and this is something, you know, it's kind of like when I say to you when you go, oh, they're going to be five favorites in the next four games, right? But there's always the caveat that anything can happen. When you look at an Ohio State that's 4-0, right? I get that they should boat race everybody they play. They just haven't actually done it yet, right? And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, Cincinnati or BYU or any other team you want to put out there, it's hard. It's really hard to put a value on the fact that, well, they played five more games, got through five more opponents. Even though they are a lower quality, they still, you know, didn't trip up didn't lay an egg, didn't have a bad game. Now, I expect a team like Ohio State to win all their games, right? But as we know in just sports, Kev, right, anything can happen. And the fact that they just don't have to take on that risk, right, is another factor. And and, and you could say Ohio State would boat race them all, but They never had the opportunity, even if it is a very small chance. You have to give some credit to the teams that actually show up, play, and don't have the ridiculous four turnover game, even if you never expect it from an A&M or an Ohio State, right? And that's the part that's hard for me to quantify because we just assume these teams would roll, but they don't have to take on that risk that other teams are proving themselves through. But you know what as well, Dane? I think even as we talk through this, I'm realizing you and I are guilty of giving Ohio State still too much credit, right? We both well, did our I top eights yesterday. Than the SEC teams. I had them lower than the no, no, no. I was trying to split the difference, right? About, okay, right. that quality of competition I'll give you, but not that quality of competition. Right. And it's hard. But you know what? Cincinnati should be in front of them. I mean, let's just talk about it. At UCF and it. then playing both SMU and routing them it. and routing Memphis, those three teams are all better undeniably than everybody but Indiana, and they might be on a similar level to an Indiana. Yeah. And and we just don't know. Do I think Ohio State would have got through all three of them? Obviously. But that's why they play the games. We'll talk about it some more when we come back on the other side here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, breaking down the college football playoff standings, which were released uh, last night. And it's ironic, Kev, because the top four remains pretty much unchanged, you know, but guys like you and I can find ways to talk about it. We're talking off air about it. It's almost like, you know, with a teacher or a professor saying what portion of the grade is what? We don't know what portion of the grade is the quality of competition. We don't know what part of the grade is your margin of victory. We don't know what part of the grade is being a conference champion 
champion. We don't know what part of the grade is total number of games played. And these are things that we would really like to understand as we add up the pie so we could disagree with some of this stuff. And the real interesting part is going to obviously be number four Ohio State, right? Because there's open questions about all those factors of the grade, Kev. What actually is the quality of competition in the Big Ten? How much does it actually matter that you play a number of opportunities and show that you don't slip up like Oklahoma did early in the season, like other schools have, like Oregon did just last week, like Cincinnati and BYU have not done we don't know but here's the other part and i'm sure you know about this as well because look at the rest of the schedule for ohio state kev they are scheduled to take on sparty this weekend and then they are scheduled to take on the wolverines the following weekend however they stand at four and oh and if you don't know now you know the big 10 is saying you have to have six games to qualify for the Big Ten Championship. So there is now a real universe where if either one of these games do in fact get compromised, and that's not uncommon these days in college football or in the Big Ten, it would leave Ohio State SOL as per qualifying for the Big Ten Championship. And then, Kev, these questions about what does the committee value to make up the grade we'll go into an even different place and we'll wonder and we'll see if indeed college football will bend over backwards to get Ohio State in the playoff. You know, and that's, I think, something that it's it's difficult to fully explore. But how the college football playoff committee feels about the Big Ten set of rules is another piece of this puzzle. I don't know if it is fair to say that the playoff committee is bending over backwards for Ohio State. Maybe they as a group just think the Big Ten are a bunch of buffoons for starting late and providing themselves absolutely no wiggle room. And they're not going to ding up a team that they strongly believe is one of the four best in the country. And they clearly believe they're one of the four best in the country. I mean, Ohio State might have played one game and found themselves in this spot. And I don't know if that's fair or or foul, Dane. I don't know if, Mm. you know, the college football playoffs committee, right, ultimately at the end of the day, their job is to put the best four teams in the final four. Now, I strongly believe, and I think you similarly, that this is a merit-based system. Your resume is what we're supposed to be talking about. I think for the playoff committee, though, I can't entirely disagree that Ohio State is one of the four best teams. I mean, I think I could make an argument for I think their grade is incomplete, Kev. Florida. I think their grade is incomplete. Alabama, yeah, Notre I mean, Dame, hard. A plus right. grade, you know? Florida, yeah. A grade. Cincinnati, A grade. Ohio State, incomplete. I, and I think that's fair. I, I, you know, it's it's funny. I haven't heard you give something an incomplete in a while since we were breaking down the NBA safety protocols. Um, it's hard not to laugh. But I, I think for Ohio State, like, has their four game sample size? Like, am I supposed like you need, to ignore you need 200 that Justin Fields is the quarterback? to qualify for the batting yes. title in Major League right. Baseball, Kev? Right. Right. But like, you know you what? Need they six need? games to qualify for the Big Ten championship. They're not there yet. Yeah. Correct, but also if if Mike Trout only bats 115 times and I had to rank the 10 best hitters in baseball, probably didn't put yeah. Mike Trout on the list. 
Probably going to put fine. Mike Trout on the list. That's fine. You he know, just doesn't qualify for the award. And I think that's there's no system. See, the Big Ten has a system of what you need to qualify for the conference championship. College football playoff. There's no actual. There's no hard, fast, and steady rules. Yeah. And the and they are supposed to provide themselves wiggle room that avoids this by not unveiling their rankings until, until the back end of November. Unfortunately for them, when they go to unveil <laughs> their <laughs> rankings, Ohio State has. Hardly played, right? right? Meanwhile, you know, Notre Dame is nine games deep into the season. Right, exactly. And that's why this season, of course, with the context of 2020, is so interesting. Can we put up updated college football championship odds here? Because I think that is also interesting to see. I'm going to tell you something, Kev. I, I am starting, listen, obviously you know about my chaos theory and all that stuff, and I wanted to have Cincinnati when they were, what, 250 to 1, right? As an mm-hmm. initial hedge, okay? I want to take another position here, Kev, now, and it is a team that is not currently in the top four. It is a team that I think is going to make our next guest, Jolisi, smile because he had the quarterback of this team winning the Heisman very early on. Mm-hmm. The Florida Gators, Kev. At 16 to 1, right? Now, there is a path for them. And a lot of people, I want to ask Lisi how he thinks, you know, Trask and Pitts might stack up against Alabama. Do you see the Gators as plausible and potentially value at 16 to 1? Here's why I think it's an awesome bet. Here's why. Because if Florida makes it into the final four, we know they can win the whole thing because they'll have beaten Alabama. That's why that number at 16 to 1 is value. Because at the end of the day, right, the danger of betting in this market is your team doesn't even show up to the day. Qualify. Right. But for right, but to be fair, as a Notre Dame fan, right? We all know that Notre Dame gets in and still nobody expects them to do anything. Like there's right. a lot like, of people I'm talking about that Cincy, would I want them to get in, but I think they'll get right. crushed when they get exactly, in there, right? right? Like Florida, I'd be willing to advocate for. Well, the thing is though, you don't even have to advocate. If Florida's in, right. it means they, will have the they beat Alabama. Legend heavyweight. Yep, yep. Right? Like so that's kind and of the, the A take a look at him. A plus B does equal C in this scenario. And that's the thing about Florida, as we tie this all together. Ohio State does not control their own destiny. That, I think, is an important caveat to know. I do not believe, even if Ohio State plays Michigan State, Michigan, and then wins the Big Ten title game and wins it in a route, all three in a route, Florida beats Alabama. I believe our top four is Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Florida. Unless you think Ohio State gets in in front of one of those teams, and I'm working off of an assumption of Clemson because they'll be favored, beats Notre Dame, and I'm and I'm and we're talking about all results being within a margin because I know the caveat of well, what if Clemson obliterates them? By 30, what if right, right, Florida right. eliminates Bama? Yeah, let's just keep it all within a ten point window which is respectable mm-hmm. enough to where it shouldn't, you know, completely right. ruin a season. What then does the college yeah. football playoff do? And it's funny, but this is the same question I posed months ago, and the same because question the, still applies. 
because the committee can, you know, make their case and look themselves in the mirror if they're going to say, oh, Ohio State up against, you know, uh, the, the, the Mountain West or up against the American Athletic Conference. But if they have to do that up against the SEC or the ACC, then it becomes a little bit different for them to consistently apply their ridiculous logic. I do want to make another quick point because I don't know if this team has a path, Kev, but I see the Cyclones at nine. And that's interesting mm-hmm. to me. It's like the Big 12 returning to, you know, kind of the idea. When yeah. Once OK State kind of fell by the wayside, I thought we could put the Big 12 to bed for the season. But now you see Iowa State there at nine with a potential opportunity for an impressive victory as well in a Big 12 title game. And could they be in the mix if the rest of the chaos above it happens we will ask joe lisi these questions and more when we come back because you know the acc also just decided to cancel the game and make sure the irish were in the championship game as well that happened thank you. yesterday thank we'll you talk about it all and we'll go for the two which joe lisi coming up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge. And if you watch this show, you know on Wednesdays we bring in our guy, Jalisi, to go for the two and break down everything in college football. We look back at the standings and we start to preview some of the key games for the upcoming week. Uh, Let me be one of the last to say happy Thanksgiving to you, Joe. Hope you had a great holiday. What's going on, brother? Uh, happy Thanksgiving, uh, Dana. D- enjoying a great weekend of college football and even the NFL over the past weekend. So locked and loaded, December 5th. Uh, we have some great games on tap, so curious to see how they play out. Absolutely. I mean, Joe, we are still enjoying the NFL weekend. I don't know what you're doing at 3.40 this <laughs> afternoon, but you can continue <laughs> to enjoy the NFL weekend if you'd like. I want to start... Joe, with um, what's probably the biggest linchpin of the standings and of the season, given where we are right now, and it is the 4-0 and Buckeyes. Um, they are in at number four. Let's just lay it all out again, Joe, and then I have kind of a two-part question for you. One, as we know, they have four regular season games played. They have two more games on their schedule against Michigan State and Michigan. Um, And I would say it is, uh, you know, it's certainly not a guarantee that they play those two games. Let's just put it that way. We know the context is up in the air in a lot of ways, right? We also know the Big Ten has a policy that you have to play in six to qualify for the Big Ten championship. Ohio State sits there at number four. Guys like me have been talking about Cincinnati or Florida or other teams that could surpass them. Um, But... We all said if Ohio State, you know, even if they only had six games, but won the Big Ten, it'd be a lock. Now comes in the concept of what if they don't qualify for the Big Ten championship? Let me ask you first on its face. What do you think about this scenario? And then I got two conspiracy theories for you about it. What do you think about the case around Ohio State right now? Will they play? Do they need to do more in the eyes of the committee? 
Well, I, I, the first part of the question is, I think that the committee took into account the body of work from last year. And, and the fact that do they need to play a conference championship, Dane, I agree. I think they need to play the, a title game in order to be considered for the college football playoff. But to, to Kevin's point, which we talked about in terms of the break, is that the committee has to put the top four teams, which they feel – will really, you know, generate the most media hype, the, what they mm-hmm. feel in terms of bringing the revenue do- dollars. And when you look at Ohio State's resume this year, it's light. But when you look at that game last year where they challenged Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and went toe-to-toe and lost that matchup 29-23, to that's where the committee, I think, carries over the fact that if Ohio State was in the college football playoff, they can challenge the top three teams that we see on this list. So that's really going to be the debate over the next few weeks. But I agree with you. I think in order for Ohio State to be mentioned and considered for the college football playoff, they need to win the Big Ten title. And the Big Ten Conference, just so you know, stipulates Mm -hmm. that it's a weighted average of the amount of games. So right now, if the weighted average is eight, they need to play six. So if that level oh. drops, let's say, to seven, then they would need they in five. the area maybe five. So it's not a hardcore hmm. six. It's based off the weighted average of the games played in the Big Ten. All right. So, yeah, and I've heard that, right? Ohio State could just be happy if all of them get wiped out because right. that would lower the average and get them to still qualify. I want to ask you about a different thing that I've heard about the Big Ten on, uh, you know, whatever it is, Big Ten Championship Day, right? When that game is being played, I understand that, you know, it's like the East versus the West, the championship game happens, like third place place, third place, fourth place place, fourth place, and things like that. Could it be, am I crazy to think that because Wisconsin has also not qualified for the Big Ten Championship, could there be a world where if Ohio State and Wisconsin don't qualify, but they are technically at the top of their divisions, that they would play each other in a game that could be a bigger resume booster for the Buckeyes than even having the title of Big Ten Championship? Could the eyes of a committee see a win against, you know, at that point, what might be 13 Wisconsin? as even a better resume builder than whoever an opponent could be in the Big Ten championship game? It's possible. I mean, we saw it in the Pac-12, right? UCLA and Cal scheduling a game. We see USC playing their game on Sunday. It would have to be agreed upon by the Big Ten Conference. The problem is, is is that they've been one of the more conservative conferences in terms of, you know, the COVID protocols and the ability to reschedule these games. I don't know if if it comes down to it where Ohio State's on the on the outside looking in. Let's say Florida knocks off Alabama yeah. in the national championship game or has the potential. That's going to be something that the conference is going to have to consider because they want Ohio State in there. Make no mistake about it. It means a lot to the conference. It means a lot in terms of TV and revenue dollars. So they have to get one of their teams in there. Joe, let me ask you this other question, though, on Ohio State, because it's probably the other rock that isn't being turned over enough. You said, right, and so did I, you got to get the four best teams in there. Are we sure Ohio State's one of the four best teams? 
not been that impressive. And I don't even mean from who they've beaten. I mean, how they've looked in those games. I've heard that defense ripped apart by people that follow this sport at, you know, as their only life job. I know Justin Fields has not been as crisp as maybe he was last season. Are we sure that Ohio State is even one of the four best teams? Forget, you know, who they've played, how they've played in the four games. No, I agree with that, Kevin. I mean, I was one to say that their defense has been atrocious up until this point. The way Michael Penix abused that secondary for over 300 yards and two touchdowns, big chunk plays, that's something that we're not used to seeing out of the Ohio State defense. Now, to their credit, I will say that in the early part of the season, every defense for the most part, Alabama, Clemson, they weren't consistent. They weren't consistent in the secondary, and they weren't consistent in terms of reading coverage and, more importantly, tackling in space. Now, as the year has progressed, that Alabama defense has shaped into form. So you would assume that Ohio State, given the body of work, a 10-12 game schedule down the stretch would find their groove. But that's not the point. The point is, where are they playing right now? How are they playing? And in my opinion, they're just they're just a mediocre defense at this point in the season. That's interesting. I've heard a lot of people also say that the Clemson defense can be had, yet there they are up at the top four as well. I want to ask you about some teams in the SEC, Joe. I want to ask you about the Texas A&M Aggies and the Florida Gators. Uh, I, I'll give you Alabama. They're part of the class of the nation. No problem. They're going to be there. They could probably sustain a loss and still be there. We look at Texas A&M. We look at Florida. If you think the Buckeyes and the Tigers defense is flawed, talk to me about te uh, Texas A&M. How good are they? I know they beat Florida at home, and that inspired Dan Mullen to want to pack the swamp in essence. But talk to me about Texas A&M because they have a game against Auburn this week. Uh, against another ranked SEC team. And then talk to me about Florida, what you've seen on the field. People are always talking about this and the, the threat in the SEC championship game. Give me a thumbnail on Texas A&M and on Florida. Are they at the level of these other four teams? Well, I think out of both of these teams right now, the team that I would say is right there is Florida. And it's because of their offensive schemes. And when you have a trigger man like Kyle Trask that can challenge any defense in the country, you have to give the edge to the Florida Gators. And they have an X factor in Kyle Pitts that can be mismatched oh, yeah. in terms of nickelbacks and linebackers, a Travis Kelsey type of player. I mean, a great red zone opportunity. So that's why I give the edge to the Florida Gators, that explosive offense that's averaging over 41 points per game. But to your point about Texas A&M, they've played better down the stretch, Dean, especially in the secondary. Okay. At the middle point of the season, they allowed almost every quarterback they faced to complete 70% in terms of completion percentage. They weren't forcing turnovers. Now they're more opportunistic. They're getting quarterback pressures. But you have to look at the teams that they faced as well. One of those teams in LSU had major offensive line issues, had an inexperienced quarterback, a freshman quarterback in T.J. Finley, and it was wet out. So now they face mm. Bo Nix this coming Saturday on the Plains in Auburn. Let's not forget that Auburn struck the upset with freshman quarterback Bo Nix last year on the road in College Station and dominated for much of that game. So now mm. on the road, this is not going to be an easy game. I give the edge from the spread perspective to the Auburn Tigers for their ability to mm. run the football the week after Texas A&M played a very physical game, a rivalry game in LSU. Don't be shocked if Auburn strikes the upset this coming Saturday. 
Joe, is there a point sometimes where maybe we value head-to-head too much? We don't know that A&M is fifth in the country because they beat Florida. It was by three in College Station at the gun. But we look outside of that. With fans in the stands, Kev! With fans in the stands! That's true as well. I mean, but Joe, they beat Vanderbilt by five, which is basically a loss. Last week against LSU, I know Bo Pelini's made things look a little bit better. They didn't score one offensive point in the second half against LSU. Kellen Mond was a disaster. Isaiah Spiller toted the rock 13 times for 15 yards in the second half. I mean, right now... The South Carolina win is what we're touting for AM outside of beating Florida. Bama blew the doors off of this team. At what point are we overvaluing that head-to-head victory for AM? Oh, I think we are. And I agree with that point wholeheartedly. I mean, Texas AM is only successful when they run the football. They're averaging around 5.4 yards per carry. But if you stack the box and force Kellen Mann to beat you over the top up until this point, he's been an inconsistent quarterback, especially in big games on his schedule. Yeah. So we'll see if he can do it this weekend. Not an easy matchup up against Auburn on the road. Yeah, I've been zoning in on that one as well, Joe, because, you know, I need some of these teams in front of my schools to fall by the wayside, and I see this as an opportunity when it may happen. Joe, we're going to take a break for a hot second. got to pay some bills. When we come back, we want to ask you more questions about the games on the horizon this week. What do you think is going to happen, and how can we make some money off of it? That's what we'll talk about when we come back right here, giving you the edge on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here to the early line, Dane and Kev. And if you know about the early line, you know that like Doug Peterson in a meaningless situation, we like to go for the two with Joe Lisi. And so we continue talking to Joe Lisi. Hey, I got to ask you, as per the standings, you know, earlier in the season, the Oklahoma State Cowboys were part of my chaos theory, could get through and crash the party. They went down in overtime. And to be quite honest, Joe, since that happened, I kind of put the Big 12 in its own little box and forgot about it as per the college football playoff. I want to ask you, did I do that too soon? Because I see the Iowa State Cyclones now at number nine. And, you know, maybe with opportunities and games and a championship game to be impressive. um, Have I sold the Big uh, Big 12 short and put them to bed too soon? Do the Cyclones, or I guess for that for that matter, something like the Sooners, do they still have a shot as well? Because I know you respect these Power Five conference champions. I don't think so. I think it's window okay. dressing, guys. It's it's just to give the Big 12 a pat on their back. I mean, Iowa State's playing as well as anybody, and that was a quality win on the road in Austin to knock off Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns. They ran the football with Brees Hall, have a legitimate quarterback in Brock Purdy, and Matt Campbell is one of the best big-game head coaches in college football. That being said, they did lose to UL Lafayette week one as an 11-and-a-half, mm. 12-point uh, favorite in that matchup. I cannot put them into the college football playoff, even though they're playing well right now, if they win the uh, rest of the way and win their Big 12 championship game. It'll be a great year, but not college football playoff material. 
You know, Joe, respectfully, I disagree a little bit. I'm going to see if I can push you on this here. Because when I look at how far they have moved these teams up, they only need a couple of things. I mean, if we're going to go with chaos theory where every team in the country loses on the same week to get BYU to four, then I think some things like Florida and m we've just talked about reasonable losses for those teams. Now, Cincinnati would need to lose. I think Georgia's very easy to get up in front. Honestly, Cincinnati might be easy to get up in front. Like, they might just take the Big 12 champion and move them in front of Cincinnati. At that point, the school's up to about five. So whether it's Ohio State never plays again, Notre Dame helps you out, would win over Clemson. I think Clemson actually, with two losses, probably gets in over a Big 12 title team. But, Joe, don't you think that the committee is giving the Big 12 a lot of love? I mean, they've got two teams inside the top 11. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna. Whoever wins the Big Twelve is gonna have to go through. Iowa State's got a clear path right now. If they win out, they're in the Big Twelve championship, and, and they're most likely gonna play Oklahoma because it's its top two teams. They would have to yeah. knock off Oklahoma a second time on a neutral field, even if they do that. Can you put Iowa State into the college football playoff over a Pac-12 undefeated champion or an undefeated Big uh, a Big Ten champion, whether it be Ohio State? I just can't see that scenario I think it's playing out. I, t- I think I just gonna be very I think tough. the Sooners are the team that they want to get up there because Oklahoma then gets back the Iowa State loss. It's then a loss over a win over a top ten team the second go around, and then the only other loss was Kansas State like week two. I I hear you. Look, it's still a long mountain to climb, Dane. But when we're looking through who is really live, yeah. I think the Big Twelve is right there. So, but so let me ask this because you talk about. Guys. Yeah, I Go just, ahead, wait, just, just think about this. The fact that Oklahoma's lost their last four college football playoff appearances, right. I don't know yeah. if the I don't know if the committee would do that as opposed to a Pac-12 undefeated champion. So uh, that's where I wanted to go, Joe. I wanted to ask you about the Pac-12, right? Because Oregon went down over the weekend in that game that apparently is not being called the Fog Bowl instead of the <laughs> other name for the game, but. You, 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 you mentioned the Pac-12 a couple of times, but then when we talk about teams like Iowa State or like BYU or like even the Sooners, you're saying there's too far to go. When I look in the standings, the first time I see a Pac-12 team check in, it's, you know, all the way down at 20 in USC. I understand Washington is there at 22. Don't they have too far to go and not enough opportunities to close that gap i'm with you i'd love to see an undefeated usc crash the party you know i'm looking for chaos but isn't part of that that they need to kind of be up already to make it feasible that's why i thought about cincinnati that's why oregon had a chance how how can you get all the way up from 20 with only two or three opportunities left in the season yeah, because of the name recognition, guys. I think that's the biggest thing. When you think about, you know, college football playoff and you think about undefeated teams and you think USC, West Coast, the committee would like that. And I think that that's, you know, something that needs to be taken into account. Cincinnati undefeated, they look at the big picture, too. They look at it. If we put this team into the college football playoff, are we going to have eyes on our product? Right. I'm not so sure, but, you know, USC with a limited body of work, if they're a Pac-12 champion and they'd have to go through at this point, Washington, which is playing very well right now, mm-hmm. knocked off Utah and come from behind fashion, there's a way that they can sneak 
sneak into the college football playoff as long as they're undefeated. One loss, I think, don't even think about it. Don't even consider it at this point. But if you have an undefeated USC team with a possible Heisman Trophy dark horse in Keaton Slovis, that's something that you can market to the college football playoff. And ultimately, that's what they want, especially when they don't have fans in the stands. They want all eyes on their product for the college football playoff in January. Joe, I think the issue with USC is I don't think the committee wants them. I know that it's a huge program, but they dropped that team for being idle, and they got jumped by UNC, who lost this past week their third game. They easily, and I mean easily, could have took USC as an idol, jumped them above everybody that lost. They could have moved them in front of Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin was idle, but Wisconsin lost to Northwestern. So they could have put that team, I believe, as high as 14. Joe, why would they drop the best team in the Pac-12 behind a team in UNC that lost this week? Because I think up until that point, they've been inconsistent, right? Now, the USC plays Sunday in a standalone game, 12 o'clock against Washington State. If they dominate that matchup and win by 30, 40 points, I think you're going to see a big jump by USC. And I'm not going to say that that's a possibility. I think they're, they could be peaking at just the right time. As these weeks progress, December 12th, December 19th, if you start to see the USC Trojans beat and dominate games by double-digit fashion, they're going to jump people in leaps and bounds, in my opinion. And if they win the Pac-12 championship at 200-1 to from the gambling aspect, guys, Mm. I think you definitely take a flyer on them because chaos would be a Pac-12 champion cracking the college football playoff. Hey, Joe, I'm here for any kind of chaos, so I hope it does, in fact, happen. You talk about the college football playoff. One team I think we all believe will be there are the Alabama Crimson Tide. They are sitting out there at number one, and we're talking about, you know, even if they were to lose to a team like Florida, who you think is, you know, deserving of being on the top line, there's no way they fall all the way out. But they've got a game this week um, that I know you wanted to talk about. Maybe they'll have Nick Saban back. They'll have Ed Orgeron on the other side. This is a game that used to be a huge rivalry. Doesn't look like LSU is up to snuff this week, but are they within four touchdowns of the Crimson Tide, Joe? I think they are. Now, they won this matchup in dominating fashion with Joe Burrow, so it is, you know, a rematch type of situation in Death Valley. And Alabama, let's not forget, is coming off the Iron Bowl. It is very difficult to play back-to-back rivalry games, especially Mm. for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You want to rest players. You want to keep players safe. So keeping, you know, 29 and a half, guys, think about this for a second. 29 and a half, four touchdowns and possibly a field goal just to cover that matchup in a rivalry game is going to be very difficult. The one thing why I like LSU, Terrence Marshall's out. That doesn't bother me. I think LSU runs the football, slowed down the the tempo against Mac Jones. That defense for LSU was starting to come into shape under Bo Pelini. Last two opponents, Arkansas and Texas A&M, they held them to 2-26 of on third down conversions. As long as they can get that type of effort at home in prime time, I think they cover this number. Joe, let me ask you about another big spread here. Ohio State traveling to East Lansing, laying 24 points. I mean, this team, they're in, they're out. Michigan State just pulled the upset over Northwestern. 
Should the Buckeyes be laying over three touchdowns on the road right now? Well, I think when you look at this matchup last year, Ohio State rushed for over 200 yards on that front seven and rolled in the first half. They won that ball game by double digits, 20-plus points. Going on the road where they haven't played well, this is still a one-dimensional offense of Michigan State and Rocky Lombardi. They need to run the football and work off a play action. If they fall behind 10, 14, nothing, I think it's lights out. Going on the road, the COVID issues, I think Ohio State does cover this number. I think they're focused they need this win in a big way and even though michigan state's playing with house money they don't have the type of playmakers to challenge that ohio state secondary over the top bad matchup for sporty this coming saturday Hey, Joe, I want to stay in the Big Ten. Another interesting game to me is Hoosiers and Badgers that are getting going this week. You know, the shame of it, though, is we would have all liked to see what Indiana could have done, right, if their standout quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., was able to keep going, right? It sounds like he tore his ACL. He is done for the season. Penix was really good. This Indiana team had cracked the top 10 for the first time, I think, since the late 80s, in fact. So, Talk to me about this game and how you see it now. Obviously, that Indiana is down Penix. Yeah, and backup Tuttle was a starter, you know, when he came to Indiana before Penix got there. So he's an experienced quarterback, should play well within the scheme. Not as mobile and athletic as Michael Penix on the perimeter, and that's going to be the biggest matchup going up against a very solid defensive front seven in Wisconsin. This game's going to come down to, in my opinion, the interior offense and defensive lines. Even though Graham Mertz is their inexperienced quarterback, I give the edge to Wisconsin. I think they can wear down Indiana. It'll be close maybe for a couple of quarters, but in the end, I do feel that Wisconsin pulls away and covers this number in the second half. Joe, when we're looking for game of the week, college game day makes its way down south for Coastal Carolina and Liberty. I mean, these teams are a couple higher, you know, rankings away from being Dane's boys to crack the top four. It doesn't look like that's in the cards. But these have been two teams that have had incredible seasons for their programs here. What do you think about Coastal Carolina and Liberty? Yeah, this is a, a contrast in styles. You have a team in Liberty that wants to push tempo and is going to look to challenge Coastal over the top. And if they can do that early on, I think Coastal will be in for a tough day. On the flip side, you have a, a team in Coastal Carolina wants to run the football, wants to work off a of play action. They play ball control, very opportunistic in terms of defense. The fact that mm. Liberty and Hugh Freeze might not play in a bowl game, I think is going to drive this team. I think they step up. They're on the road. They're catching points give me liberty in the upset over coastal this coming saturday love it hey last one for me joe real quick and we'll end on a lighter note i guess sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, Dane and Kev. And, you know, Kev, I I love Joe Lisi. 
But it, it it exposes more of the inconsistencies, right? He's thinking that maybe USC could get through because of the cachet, right, of the Trojans and stuff, right? And he's saying, oh, they would have a win against, like, number 22 Washington. Cincinnati's got wins against, you know, ranked SMU, ranked Boise State at the time. They got ranked Tulsa on their horizon. It's just so hysterical to me about how, like, cachet, perception, power five seems have to be like the yeah. final turn paper and how much we make up the damn grade. You know, the, the tough thing for Cincinnati, Dane, is that none of these teams that they beat were able to figure it out kind of after. Like, SMU is 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 no longer ranked, Has right? Fallen. UC, you. UCF never, like, the only, like, UC, they have right. to play Tulsa, who's ranked. Tulsa's 24. Tulsa's going to lose that game if Cincinnati, for Cincinnati's sake, I, I, and they won't be ranked anymore. You know what I mean? I and, and, and no one, but. It's 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 just it's a tough thing that not one of those teams they opened with Navy. Up. Navy was in the top twenty to start the season. Remember that? I know. That's what I'm saying. Like they unfortunately for Cincinnati, not one of those teams was able to hold up their end of the bargain and stay just somewhere in the top twenty-five. And at the end of the day, and this is always something that's funny, but like we look, you know, top twenty-five wins. You know, Cincinnati will have X number. Who cares if you beat a team when they were 16 if they then fall to, you know, 35? Like, it's it, and that's another tough thing for this team. But USC, listen, they could have put that team at 14. They dropped them to a team that had their third loss of the season. They have no, I don't think they have any interest in the Pac 12. I don't think they have a single bit of interest. I think we're down to the Big 12 as the team, as the conference that's on the outside thinking about crashing this party. Right, Iowa State and potentially Oklahoma, and then don't sleep on the Cincinnati Bearcats. They at least have, as even Joe Lisi described, you know, less room to go. Right, we can see the path, and maybe part of the path opens up with the Aggies having a tough game against War Eagle this weekend. You know who I'm cheering for. When we come back, we talk to Tom Bogart in soccer. You know what I'm cheering for in those soccer matches too. Come on back and find out our number two of the early line. 